I want to start by reading this text right now, starting in verse number 12. It says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also. And greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. And whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If ye shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. Those are pretty powerful verses, are they not? I was reading through these verses in my devotions earlier this week, and it really caused me to pause and stop and just ask myself this question. Does prayer still work? I mean, think, of, think about it for a second. I want you to really think about this in your heart tonight, okay? Does, does the system of, of calling and answering, the, the system of asking and receiving, is this God-ordained system of prayer? Is it broken, Christians? As we consider these questions, I think that we've, we've, we've got to admit that we know that this God-instituted system of prayer is most definitely not broken, amen. But the problem is that I think oftentimes we as believers, we treat it as though it's broken, don't we? We are so prone to neglect prayer and to lay it aside for other things or to leave it as a last resort. And the truth is that although we would never say that it's broken, we treat it as though it is broken. I mean, think for just a moment. Okay, I want to give you an example to try and understand this here. I mean, it would be like having a power tool and we have tried to use it and it just doesn't seem to work. And we try and we try and try and we can't get the thing to work and so we just it gets laid aside to collect dust and yet the reality is that there's absolutely nothing wrong with that power tool. It works just as good as it ever did. The only problem is that we never take time to make sure the thing's plugged in, right? <laughs> I don't know if any of you have ever done that before, but I have. <laughs> I can remember doing that once, and I'm pushing on all the buttons, and I'm fiddling with that thing for all that I'm worth, trying to figure out what in the world is wrong with this stupid thing, right? And I'm just, I'm trying for the life of me to figure out. How come, how come I can't get this thing to work? And generally about the time I'm ready to lay it down, I figure out there wasn't anything wrong with the tool at all, but the problem was with me. Because I neglected to take time to connect it to the power source properly and it wouldn't work. And listen, folks, the, the truth is that we are so prone to treat our prayer life like that as well, are we not? We hastily grab a hold of it, we try to make it work, and we just as hastily cast it aside like a broken tool when it doesn't immediately perform as we so desire. And really, the problem is not with prayer. Prayer is not broken. But the real problem is with us. Because we have so neglected to take the time to properly connect it to the power source. 
So don't blame prayer because prayer works as good as it always has. Amen. And don't blame the power source because our God, listen, he's just as powerful as he's ever been. Amen. But the problem lies with us because we have foolishly neglected to plug in our prayer line. And so listen, folks, this, this spiritual weapon of prayer is still mighty, as the Bible describes those spiritual weapons. It's mighty to the pulling down of strongholds. <laughs> uh, boy, I'll tell you what, it seems like we've got some uh, wicked people in high places in America. It seems like the evil that has taken over this country has some strongholds, does it not? Well, I'll tell you what, we've got a weapon called prayer that is mighty to the pulling down of strongholds, the Bible tells us. And the Bible still says, that the effectual and fervent prayer of a righteous man, listen, it still avails much. Amen. That tells me it still works. We have an almighty God who is still just waiting to find some Christians will have their hearts perfect towards him and will seek them with their whole heart, seek to properly plug in to this wonderful tool of prayer that he might show himself strong on their behalf. Yes. Now listen, folks, I, I truly believe that God can send us revival. Amen. I do not doubt that one bit. I believe with all my heart. You know what? We don't, we don't just, at this stage, we don't just want it. We desperately need it, okay? Yes. And I believe that God can send us revival, and I believe that God can awaken this that has become spiritually dead. I believe that God can do it. And I, you know what? I, I believe that he literally desires. This is what he wants. He wants for his church to be revived again. Do you, do you think that that's contrary to the will of God? Do you think that God would not want us to have revival? Listen, I'm telling you, folks, that's what God desires. God wants to see his church on fire for him again. God wants to see people woken up to the truth of the word of God and coming to Christ. This is what he wants. And think about it now. If our God's not dead and our prayer and prayer is not broken, the problem's going to be with us. And if we want God to set this place afire with revival, if that's what we desire, then listen, Christians, we're going to have to set our souls afire with prayer like we've never prayed before. And get properly plugged in in our prayer lives. Amen? Or else we are unlikely to see much of anything happen. Now, do I believe that God can send revival? I certainly do. But I think God's people are going to have to be praying. And so tonight as we consider this thought, I want you to notice here in this text how the Lord instructs his disciples as he talks with them about the awesome power of prayer. And you know, I believe people are already praying for revival. I think there's people here that are praying, praying for revival genuinely, sincerely, taking sincere time to get alone with God and seek his face and look for him to grant a revival, look for him to grant awakening. But you know what? I believe it's not just here. 
Because you know what, during the week, you know what I do? When I have spare time, guess what I do? I listen to preaching. I mean, I'm going to listen to Brother Sexton. I'm going to listen to Brother Kreber. I'm going to listen to some of these godly men around our country that stand up for the word of God and aren't ashamed to, to proclaim what God has to say. And you know, when I tune into these men of God around our country preaching the word of God, you know what I'm hearing? We need to be praying for revival. I believe God could send us revival. And I'm hearing it man after man after man. It's not just in this church. God is doing something in the church of America. You better get your prayer life plugged in, Christian, that we might see God do something mighty here. And I'm telling you, we need it. I'm not, a, I'm not scared of the health department. I'm not scared of the Democrats. I've got a greater fear of God than I do of anything Amen. else in this world. And he's the one alone that I, that, I, that I desire to please and honor in this life. And if I'm going to honor and glorify Jesus in my life, I'm going to have to be a man that's set afire with prayer. I want us to think about this tonight. It's so vital. It's so important. Well, like I said, we need this revival. We need this awakening. We need God to do something. I mean, we're, we're in emergency status here in America right now. It's like, it's like America's laying on the, the ground as a corpse, and we've got the, the people over there getting ready to, to, to say, charge, and charge them back to life. And I'm telling you, that's what we need, Christians, because at, at this point, it seems that America's dead. And we need God to revive her again. Amen. And it's not going to happen unless God's people go forth on their knees in prayer seeking God's face. Only God get a hold of us like God has never gotten a hold of us before. Yes, we must be a people of prayer. We ought not to think it's strange because Christians have always been or should have always been known by the fact that they are a people of prayer. But I think over the past few years and here in America... We become so much like that Laodicean church that we become rich and increased with goods. And yet at the same time, God looks at us and says that we're wretched and blind and naked. And we think we have need of nothing. And the reality is that we're spiritually wretched and blind and naked. You know what you need more than you need money? You know what you need more than you need all the stuff and all the things that you can gain in this old world. You need a prayer life and a passion to serve God like you've never had. Hey, listen, the bank account could be empty tomorrow. The house could burn up. The car could be demolished. But God's still on the throne. Live for Jesus. Amen. And pray like you're living for Jesus. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. There's nothing more important to live for in this life than Jesus. Amen. And that starts and finishes with your prayer life, Christian, because you can do a whole lot of things in Jesus' name to no avail with no power behind it at all if you don't get alone with God. So tonight I want us to notice here as we look at this text how the Lord instructs his disciples as he talks with them about the awesome power of prayer. And may God just instill the need of this in our heart and life. I know we've been talking about this a lot of late. But I believe it's of God. Yes, amen. Keep preaching. And I believe it's what we need. May God help us to just wrestle with God like Jacob and never let go. May we not let go till we see the face of Jesus. Amen.
That's what I'm striving for. That's what I'm looking for here, that we would have that attitude seen in us, that we would so persevere that we're just not going to let him go till he blesses us. I notice here in our text, the very first thing I notice here that Jesus speaks of is the prerequisite of prayer. Verse number 12. Let's read it again. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do, he shall, uh, he, shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. So notice that first of all here, faith is foundational. Jesus says, he that believeth on me. Now I'll tell you, it's, it's clear, our faith in Christ is foundational to our salvation and to our relationship with God. And without this, we have no access to God at all. Okay? Heaven is shut to you. Your iniquities have separated between you and your God. You have no relationship with Christ. But as a born-again believer, our faith also is vital and foundational to us receiving answers to prayer. Listen to what the Apostle Paul tells us in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6. He tells us this. It is impossible to please him without faith. Now, we've all heard that before, right? But oftentimes we forget the latter part of the verse. So he says it's impossible to please him without faith. And then he also says in that same verse, he says, And he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that what? Diligently seek him. <laughs> wow. He's a rewarder of people who exhibit faith in diligently seeking. How do you seek God? Well, in prayer. You see, faith in your prayer life, listen, Christian, it is not, a, it is not an option. It is a necessity. And as Jesus stated in Matthew 21, verse 22, he tells us that if we are to receive answers to our request, that we need to pray how? We need to pray believing, okay? It almost seems crazy that, that I should even have to suggest that to a bunch of believers that we need to pray believing. The sad truth is, oftentimes I think we just go through the motions of prayer and we just do it and there's no faith attached to it at all. And the truth is, that even though we have trusted him for our salvation, oftentimes we are prone to being faithless in our everyday lives. You know what we want to do? So very often we want to rely on the arm of flesh, don't we? We want to fall back on what we can physically do, what we can physically handle, what we are physically capable of dealing with, rather than have faith. But that's not the type of prayer God answers. God, God wants to see us. He said, when you ask, pray believing, Christians. Prayer, listen, faithless praying does not work. Pray believing, amen. Faith is foundational. And you can even remember Matthew 13, 58, when Jesus came into this one town. And the Bible says that he did not many, many mighty works there. Why? Because of their unbelief. 
And it would not be amazed to me if this generation of Christianity has not seen many mighty works and many mighty movings of God in our midst because of our unbelief. Because we're trusting in our riches and we're trusting in our stuff and we're trying, trusting in the mightiness of our country and, 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 and the list can go on and on. Have we neglected to trust in our God? When you pray, pray believing. Faith is a necessity, Christian. It is foundational to prayer and it is foundational to us receiving answers to those prayers. If you can't pray in faith, you better just not pray. Because our God answers our faith, not just the words. I mean, sometimes I don't think you even have to say anything. God just knows what's on your heart. But it's the attitude of the heart that's important, that attitude of faith, trusting in him, seeking him. That's the attitude that God answers. And that's the way God wants to see us. This is foundational to our prayer life. I notice next here, I see the principle of prayer. In verse number 12, it says, The works that I do shall he do also. Now you think about that for just a minute. Think about some of the wonderful, great things that happened at the hand of Jesus Christ. At his hand, there was healing. At his hand, there was provision. At his hand, there was reviving. There was glorious salvation. Everywhere Jesus went, lives were changed and miracles took place. And let me tell you, Christians, so also when we, the people of Christ, go forth praying by faith, we can expect to see the hand of God work in like manner. Souls will be saved. Lives will be changed by the power of God. Needs will be met. People will be revived. God's power will be seen in the midst of the people. Amen. Now listen, folks. This, this isn't a maybe. But this is a promise that as we pray believing, we will see God at work in our midst in a similar manner. You've got to think to yourself, wow. I mean, is that not what we want? Do we not want souls saved? Do we not want to see people touched and, and healed and, and revived and, and, and see needs met and to see God's power demonstrated in the midst of his people just as, as all those people around Christ they saw time and time again. Everywhere he went, they were just seeing the power of God demonstrated in their midst. And the Bible tells us that when we, the body of Christ, start praying in a believing fashion, God is going to so manifest himself in our midst as well. Wow. You know why we haven't? You know why we haven't seen that? Well, I believe it's because if we've been praying, we've been playing, praying religiously and not praying in faith. You know what that is? That's where we say, well, it's prayer time, so I guess I've got to pray. And you get up and you go through your checklist, right? This and this and this and this. I'm done. That's not praying in faith, Christian. And I'll say my little prayer when I get up, and I'll say my little prayer when I go to bed, and I'll say my little prayer when I get in the car, and I'll say my little prayer before my meal. What is that? 
That's dead religion. That's not a relationship with Christ. That's not praying in faith. God's not going to reward that. Wake up. God wants a relationship with you. Call on the Almighty. Walk with God. Amen. And he that walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. You know what? Hey, that's a testimony I want. That I just, I'm walking by faith, talking with Jesus day by day in such a prayer life with God that the testimony about me can be, well, he walked with God and God just decided to take him one day. Oh, may God help us. Listen, faith is foundational, but the principle of prayer is that, you know what? When we pray the way God's instructed us to pray, we're going to see the works of God take place around us just like they took place around Jesus as he walked this earth. Now, notice where I see next. I see here not just the principle of prayer, but also the potency or the power of prayer. Verse 12 also tells us, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. Now notice that, I mean, this is a concept to us, to think that we could do anything greater than the Lord. But notice he takes it further here. He does say greater works than these shall he do. Now he's not speaking of a greater type of works, but a greater amount. And you know what? He makes this clear when he tells us at the end of the verse. Why? Why is it that you're going to do greater works? He says, because I go unto the Father. You see, we have one thing to our advantage that Jesus never had. You say, what in the world is that, preacher? Time. Jesus' time here was very short. He was appointed to die in the prime of life at 33 and a half years old. And so think about that, Christian. May the Lord help us to use our time wisely that we might go forth in this life by faith praying that we might see the Lord work through us in, in these greater works. Amen. That's what I want. The reality, folks, is that Jesus desires, think about this now, he desires to see these greater works done in us and through us who make up the body of Christ. In essence, when, when we pray in faith and God starts doing stuff because of that, that's attributed to the body of Christ. Because as believers, guess what? We make up the body of Christ. And so it's not really your works anyways, is it? It's God's. You just get to play a part in it. But you know what, folks? It's not going to happen in a faithless, prayerless people. Because you must... Be plugged in, so to speak. You must abide in the vine. You, you read a chapter over about the vine and the branch, right? And it was only that branch which abided in the vine that was able to bear much fruit and bring forth much fruit, right? Hey, listen, you got to be plugged in, amen? Otherwise, it's not going to happen. And so we see here the prerequisite of prayer, which is faith, and the principle of prayer, and the, the potency of prayer. That we do works like unto his and even greater than his um, as we pray unto him in faith. And I notice also, number four, the promise of prayer. Verse number 13. Now notice this wonderful promise. 
And whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do. Boy, that's powerful, isn't it? In verse 14, if ye ask anything in my name, I will do it. Chapter 15, verse 7, if ye abide in me and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Now, we like to talk ourselves out of these verses sometimes. We like to limit the Lord, just as Psalm 78, 41 tells us that Israel limited the Holy One of God in the wilderness. But let me ask you, Christian, do you see any limits on this promise? I don't. It's limitless in its scope. Jesus uses the words whatsoever. He uses the word anything to make it clear to us that when we get serious about praying, amen, listen, when we get serious about praying in faith in his name, the possibilities of what he will do in our lives and by our prayers are literally limitless. You might be shaking your head. It's like a preacher's gone crazy. But the Bible says that I didn't write it. Whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that what? I might do? It says I will do. I didn't write it. Jesus said it. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. There's no question marks here. God has no question about his ability. The problem is us. Amen. We get faithless and we want to limit the Holy One of God. Just like Israel out in the wilderness. And it was their faithlessness that caused them to die in a desert rather than enter the promised land. Listen, friend, the only limit as to what God can do in and through you is you. Because so very often we don't, we just don't believe that he can or he will. And accordingly, we don't pray or we pray very little or we just pray religiously. You know why we as believers haven't prayed for revival like we should in the past? Because in faithlessness, we have told ourselves that he can't. Or in faithlessness, we have told ourselves that he won't give us revival. We say, oh, well, we're in the Laodicean age. Lukewarm church. God isn't going to revive us. God can't revive us. And you know what you've done when you do that? You've limited the Holy One of Israel, my friend. And he did not many mighty works there. Why? Because of their unbelief. Listen, I'm here to tell you tonight, I believe that God can. Amen. Amen. He's still on the throne. He's still almighty. He's still unlimited in power. And I believe his promises. 
And you know what I believe he can and he will send us revival if we, his people, will turn to him with all of our hearts and break up that fallow ground and seek his face till he rains that righteousness upon us. Listen, I believe that because it's in the book and God doesn't break his promises. Amen. The question in my mind is not about God. The question in my mind is about God's people, whether we will break up that fallow ground and seek God till he rains the righteousness on us. May God help us. The problem is not God, and the problem is not with prayer. The problem is with the people. Well, may God help us to see this promise of prayer. It's powerful. And we almost, we almost always, as we read these verses, we say, oh, well, we, we just kind of pass it off. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Well, he doesn't really mean anything, right, Brother Nick? Is that not how we often read that verse? And whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do. How often do we read through that? And we want to place limitations on an almighty God. Don't do that, Christian. The Bible says when you pray, pray believing. That's how God wants us to pray. You want revival? Pray believing. Amen. Set your soul afire with prayer and just look for God to do something because he will reward the faith of his people. And I want you to notice lastly as we finish up tonight. So we've seen the prerequisite of prayer, the principle of prayer, the potency of prayer, the promise of prayer. And I notice lastly here I see the purpose of praying or prayer. Notice here in verse number 13. And whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do. Now listen, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Well, I like that, don't you? Notice here the purpose of praying, it says, is that the Father would be glorified in the Son. Listen, folks, it's all about Jesus. Worthy is a lamb that was slain to receive the reward of his suffering in your life and in mine. Is he receiving the reward of his sufferings in your prayer life, Christian? Or can you honestly say he's really not? And I'll tell you, friend, truly when God works in our lives and we pray in faith believing and he answers our prayers, guess what? Jesus is glorified, is he not? What is the very first thing you want to do when, when God answers your prayers? You just want to raise the hand to heaven and say, oh, thank you, God. Oh, praise the name of Jesus. He worked on my behalf. He heard my cry. He's done mighty things because I called on him. That's the first thing you want to do. Look, notice what it says here in chapter 15, verse 7 and 8. He says, If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciples. Now think about what he's getting at here. Listen, friend, the Lord gets glory when you bear much fruit. And in the context here, he's clearly, he's clearly referring to when you are seen granted much in answer to prayer. God is glorified. 
you know what, a, a branch can only bear much fruit when it is in good connection with the vine. Is that not true? If that connection is hindered or cut off, it will become fruitless and it will start to die. I think that's the state we've seen the vast majority of Christianity in America. We need to get rightly connected to the vine again, amen? amen. So what about you, Christian? Do you desire for the Lord to be glorified in and through you in your prayer life? Well, the Bible makes it abundantly clear that as we, by faith, get plugged in in our prayer life and we start to see God answer our request, our Lord will be glorified, He will be lifted up, and He will be exalted. Amen. And so I ask you tonight, Christian, what about you? Is your prayer life plugged in? Are you praying in faith? Maybe I should ask you, does the time you spend praying reflect that you truly believe that he will answer you? Because a lot of people pray, as I said, religiously. They'll get at that little checklist and they'll spend a little bit of time in prayer here and a little bit of time in prayer there. But it's just a little petty duty that they add into their life so they can pat themselves on the back and they say there, I'm a good Christian. And that's not real praying. Have you walked with him and talked with him? Have you been much alone with God? Have you known what it's like to come to the garden alone in the morning and talk with the Almighty and see His face and know what He wants in your life and call upon His holy name? Let me tell you, friend, there's still a God in heaven that hears the cries of His people. God is not dead. Prayer is not broken. God's people just need to get connected again. Amen. Oh, may God help us to see this desperate need. I'll tell you what, I believe with all my heart that God is fully able to send us revival. And you know what? I believe that God's people will turn back unto the Lord. And they'll just break up that fallow ground and they'll just determine their hearts. I'm going to seek his face till he rains that righteousness upon us. Guess what is going to happen? Hey, listen, we're going to have a touchdown, amen? And it's not a football touchdown, it's a God touchdown, amen? God's got a touchdown in this place, and we're going to see the glory of God revealed in the midst of his people. Oh, yeah. And I'll tell you, that's what I want, Christian. Not just in our church, but in our community, in our country as well. And it's going to happen when God's people get serious about praying. And not just religious praying, but praying in faith. And learning to have a walk with God where they walk with Him and they talk with Him. And you know that takes a little bit of time. It means, it means a little bit of sacrifice. Because you might have to get up a little bit earlier in the morning. But you know what? Anything that's worth anything in this world, you know what? It's going to cost you something. Did it not cost Him something to save your soul? Couldn't a little bit of your time... That you could take and walk with him and talk with him. Wouldn't it be worthy to give that time to him in prayer? That you might honor him in your life. That he might be glorified. Oh, may God help us get back to being plugged in in prayer like we ought to. That God might revive us again. Let us all stand to our feet tonight. Heads bowed, eyes closed. As the pianist gets ready to come play, if the Lord has spoken to your heart. You come and pray. Maybe you just want to come and rededicate 
and say, oh God, please break up this fallow ground. Lord, I'm determined to seek, seek your face until you rain this righteousness upon us. I'm determined to just wrestle with you, God, till you grant us that blessing. Maybe you've struggled and you've not been plugged in to prayer like you ought to be. Maybe you've struggled and you've just fallen back on the arm of flesh and just gone to religious praying. Would you get back to truly just walking with God again, friend? Calling on his name and faith like he so desires to have a walk with you. The altar is open. If the Lord spoke into your heart, you come and pray tonight.